This is Will Baker, president of the Chesapeake Bay Foundation. Welcome to a special, a, a really breaking news podcast today. And today is Thursday, March 16th. We, wake, we woke up this morning to reports that the Trump administration had cut the heralded Chesapeake Bay program that has been so successful to zero. A program that's been in place at different levels for over three decades. What a loss, what a waste. We're here with Kim Coble, Senior Vice President at the Chesapeake Bay Foundation for Environmental Protection and Restoration, our Chief Policy Person. Kim, welcome. Thank you, Will. And before we go on, Kim, tell us a little bit about your background. Well, I've been with the Chesapeake Bay Foundation for over 20 years. I started as a scientist in our Virginia office and then came to Maryland and was the Maryland director for a number of years. So I've seen our policy work from multiple states and multiple politics and under, worked under a number of at different administrations at the state levels as well. My academic training is in toxicology, which I've studied the human health impacts of toxic chemicals. So the, in, this, in this podcast, I might talk a little bit more than I usually do because I just can't keep my mouth shut. Let's consider this a discussion between us. So when you woke up this morning, you know, we had some advanced knowledge that this might happen. But it had never been confirmed until we read in the paper exactly what was being proposed. What, what were your feelings? Tell us a little bit about what you think of the president's proposal to eliminate the Chesapeake Bay program. Well, I think I had a two-phased response. My first one, honestly, was feeling as if I'd been kicked in the gut. Um, you know, I've spent my life's career working to protect and restore the Chesapeake, and to have somebody at that level uh, completely say it has no value, there's no importance, we don't have to put any investment into it, uh, was shocking, uh, very sobering kind of news. Um, arriving here at the Chesapeake Bay Foundation today, though, that those feelings rapidly changed, and the energy and um, commitment and dedication that's in this building right now and in this organization is really inspiring. There isn't one of us that isn't going to fight uh, the fight to make sure that this doesn't stick. So, um, you know, you and I have often said we can't do this work without being optimists, and uh, I'm optimistic that we're going to find folks that are equally committed to protecting our clean water, and uh, we're going to find them in Congress, and they're going to help us. And we have always said we can't do this work without our 200,000, 230,000 members and supporters and many, many more people who are interested in, who love the Chesapeake Bay and all the rivers and streams that feed it. And, and this is not a lost cause. What we can do is we all who care about clean water, who care about the Chesapeake Bay, the fish, the crabs, the oysters, the, the underwater grasses, we can help get this money reinstated. Maybe talk to us a little bit about how the federal budget is uh, proposed, how it's debated, how it becomes law, how it becomes implemented. Yeah, you're making a very important point. Um, and fortunately, in this case, it is Congress that has the final vote on 
the budget. They say Congress holds the purse strings. Holds the purse strings. So the, the president has put out a budget that reflects his priorities. That is a statement of where he feels the country should be spending their money. It's very unfortunate that he has chosen not to invest in the Chesapeake and frankly every other estuary in the watershed as well. Um, but his priorities are not the priorities of the, of the Chesapeake Bay folks and so Congress will get the budget, the appropriations committees will get the budget, they will work through a subcommittee process, the full committee process, and then it will go to both the full House and Senate. At each point, we will be weighing in with our members to uh, make sure that the representatives on the appropriations committees first uh, know that this is really important, and then all our representatives in the Bay Area will know that this is very important. And our, our, we're confident that they will treat the Chesapeake as a priority as they have uh, for the last few decades. So what's at risk is vast, but the specific thing we're talking about today is the $73 million Chesapeake Bay program, which funds the lead federal agency, the Environmental Protection Agency, to work with all six states in the watershed and the District of District of Columbia to treat the Bay as science tells us we must, as a single ecological system. The Bay program funding has been largely, I think two-thirds of the total 73 million, is spent on grants to states and municipalities for direct pollution reduction projects. So that money is that if that money is not part of the budget, pollution will increase. There, there's just no two ways about it. Another big part of the federal funding is for monitoring, scientific monitoring, that tells us how the bay is doing, how the water quality is impacted by different sources of pollution, how strategies that are put in place are improving water quality, reducing pollution. If you don't have monitoring, it's like flying without instruments. You're a scientist. Tell us how important the scientific elements of monitoring water quality and the strategies are. Well, it's, it just can't be overstated. Uh, if you think about the structure that we have in place under the Chesapeake Bay clean water blueprint, the plan to clean up the bay. It's based on uh, pounds of pollution being reduced. So the states are working very hard on those goals. Money is being allocated at the state levels to meet those goals. Citizens are out doing work to meet those goals. Local governments, we all are working very hard to reduce pollution. So if we have no indication or no idea if we're reducing it, as you said, we're flying blind. It's, uh, that monitoring is what is, helps us determine if we're being successful and what changes need to be made in order to be more successful. To the extent I can understand this administration, I think a lot of what they do is motivated by a desire to reduce uh, federal rules and regulations for states, for the private sector, for citizenry. But this program is not a top-down program. Every state in the watershed voluntarily agreed 
to be part of the program, part of the partnership with EPA and the other federal agencies. And all EPA has done is to use the best science available to determine how much pollution needs to be reduced, give each state a pro rata share of that reduction target, and then let the states achieve that in any way they want. EPA is there to provide them grants to help them do it, to monitor how well it's being done, to coordinate, and all of that sort of rest of the rest of the needs, but it's not being told this is how you have to do it. So all of the governors and those who have come into office since the first group signed on have re-upped and reissued their support for this. Uh, it's really a win-win-win program. Exactly, and and I, you know, to emphasize this, um, that point, whether or not this was a federal mandate or a state-run program, was challenged in court. And uh, the Chesapeake Bay Foundation was in there fighting for what we believed was the, the state-run program. That decision was upheld by a district court, a circuit court, resoundly held up, and the Supreme Court looked at it and said, we're not even going to take this up. It's a, it's a slam dunk. So the courts have confirmed this is a state-run program. Additionally, uh, Administrator Pruitt, who is now overseeing the EPA under oath and in front of Congress during his hearing, was asked about the Chesapeake Bay program. He, too, confirmed that it is a model of how cleanup pro programs should be done because it's a state-run program. So you and I know it's working very well at the state level. The states know it's working very well. But it, additional to that is Secretary Pruitt and the courts who are also saying it's working very well. I remember that well. He complimented the states for working cooperatively together. Senator Cardin asked him in the hearing, will you continue the Chesapeake Bay program? His answer was one word, yes. He was then asked, will you continue funding the Chesapeake Bay program? Another one word answer, yes. That's about as definitive as it gets. I hope someday we will hear from Administrator Pruitt what happened. Why did he change his mind or was he forced to change his mind? There has been some evidence that the administrator is not in support of all these budget cuts, that may come out. And Kim, you said something that I think bears repeating. When this was challenged, it was challenged, this program, this, this cooperative arrangement was challenged by some of the largest agricultural lobbying associations in the country, not by individual farmers, but by the Fertilizer Institute the National Hog Council, the, the chicken growers, all that. And the National Farm Bureau. And the National Farm Bureau. And, and, and Bob Stolman, who headed the Farm Bureau, was very clear. He said he, he wasn't against cleaning up the Chesapeake Bay. He was worried that this sort of protocol might go to the Midwest, to the, to the Mississippi River, for the benefit of the Gulf of Mexico, which has all the same problems of the Chesapeake just on steroids, low dissolved oxygen, eutrophication. But the Mississippi drains half of the United States of America, and they were worried about a, a broad expansion. Uh, 
before there was really a chance to, to kind of take the steps that happened at the Chesapeake, which was a gradual buildup to this sort of cooperative arrangement. And when that got to the federal district court in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, Judge Sylvia Rambo, <laughs> you can't make this up, Judge Rambo wrote a 99-page opinion saying all of the arguments of those who were suing uh, were, were not, uh, uh, not within the bounds of, of legal uh, tenets, and she threw it out of court. They did appeal, as you said, to the circuit court in Philadelphia, three-judge panel, said the same thing, and ultimately the Supreme Court uh, said it's not even worth us considering it. So this has been, as we at the Chesapeake Bay Foundation know, it, it's gone through so many hoops, has had to overcome so many hurdles, and just as it was starting to work, just as we're starting to see water that's more clear, more abundant underwater grasses, dead zones that are starting to decline, not increase, the rug gets pulled out from underneath the program. Uh, I use this expression, it's like snatching defeat from the jaws of victory, uh, a turn on the old phrase of snatching victory from the jaws of defeat, but it really is beyond belief. And let's come back to what our listeners, what those who love the Bay can do to see if we can get this thing back uh, in place, to see if we can keep the Chesapeake Bay program, the state-federal partnership, uh, going. What do you think needs to be done? I, I think that it's really important for our listeners to appreciate that these cuts are not simply a cut to some federal program that's out there. This is a cut to our backyards. This is a cut to our the local creeks and streams, to the bay uh, beaches that we swim on. The, this is a cut to our uh, lifestyles and quality of life and seafood, frankly, from the bay. So it's personal. I think it's very important that our listeners understand that we can change this. There, it is not the final budget by any means. And they need to contact their members of Congress the House of Representatives and their senators both, and say this is unacceptable. And um, there's a long history of Republican and Democratic leaders that have supported this. This is not a bipartisan issue, but this is not a partisan issue. Mm. Excuse me, by any means. Um, we will have we have information up on our website on how people can take action. So, cbf.org is the place to go, and we can get you lined up to. Uh, contact your federally elected officials, but it is critical that they hear from you not once, not twice, but every day that this is really, really important. So we, we, we hear from our elected officials that constituent contact really does make a difference. You can email them. That's okay. Better to write a letter. Even better to call. And the very best is go to their district office, even if they're not there, knock on the door, call them, go into the office and say you're interested in the Bay, you love the Bay, and you want to keep the funding for the Chesapeake yeah. Bay program. That, that will make a difference. We know that. Let's end by 
Just a little reflection on, on what if these monies aren't restored. I don't think it's a, a scare tactic to say in 10 years we could see a Chesapeake Bay that is on severe decline. We could see reduced harvests of crabs, oysters, rockfish. We could see more signs that say close to swimming, dangerous, don't go in the water, don't touch the water. On the other hand, if we are able to get this program reinstated, if we do continue the state-federal partnership, I think there's every reason to believe in our lifetimes we'll see a saved bay. We'll see water that is free of contaminants. We'll see fish and shellfish that are safe to eat. We'll see water that is safe to swim in. And we will see an economy that is supported by one of the greatest national treasures on this planet the Chesapeake Bay, and all the rivers and streams that feed it. Kim, it's time for us to get back to work. Thanks so much for joining us, and I urge all of our listeners to get involved. If you don't, well, you haven't tried. Thanks very much. For Will Baker, our continuing podcast series, Turning the Tide, Saving the Chesapeake Bay, it seems more important today than ever. Thank you.